Good morning, Hope Bible Church. It is uh, indeed a bittersweet um, pleasure to be with you this morning. Um, I just want you to know from the bottom of my heart, I'll try to keep my tears in. <laughs> it's been an honor to be here to serve um, alongside you all. Um, please know um, that I love you. Um, we've rooted in here. My family have, have grown so much uh, being here at Hope Bible Church, learning the precepts and the oracles of, of God's Word. Um, I am thankful for Tom and taking a person like me under his wing. He knows I'm a bit stubborn. <laughs> But I, uh, I love him. I love him for his truth telling in my life. And I hope to God that in all things, in my life and in your life, um, that he's glorified, right? It's all about sanctification. At the end of the day, it's all about what saith the Lord and his precepts in our life. Let's pray. Father in heaven, um, we are approaching a very needful subject regarding the culture today, Lord. Um, to be honest, I'm a bit nervous. I don't know what to expect. Lord, I do know one thing, that your word will be preached. I pray, help me, Lord, to make this clear, verse by verse. May your people learn and grow. May they look to the scriptures to get their truth, not the culture, not the ideologues, not the ideologies, not the pervasive influencers in society. Lord, remind us today, Lord, that you matter. Your word matters. Our following you matters. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, this year has been, let me get some tissue here real quick. This year has been, I don't know, I don't know about you, but it's been pretty confusing, right? A lot of things going on. You have coronavirus, you have ideologies being tossed out, tossed all over the place in the marketplace of ideas. Um, what in the world is going on in the culture? What in the world is going on? It just seems so confusing. And so I would submit to you uh, this morning that I believe what is going on in the culture is a clashing of ideological heads. A clashing of ideological heads. There's worldviews going on that are at play. And I don't think you can just narrow it down to a president. I see some of your Facebook posts. My friend, I, I think that there are greater ideological forces at play, and I think that we've neglected some of those things. I hope to remind you of those things. And so, for instance, I believe the Apostle Paul made this clear in chapter 10 of his second letter to the Corinthian church, that when sons and daughters of the King of Lights stand to unsheath their spiritual weapons of war, why do they do that? Because it's to destroy what? Speculations. And every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, taking what? Every thought 
captive to the obedience of Christ. In other words, my thoughts, your thoughts, must bow the knee to the face of him who sits on the throne. And then verse 7, I just love how verse 7 just caps it off just so beautifully when he says this to the Corinthians. Wonderful application. He says, you are looking at things as they are outwardly. You're looking at things outwardly. My friends, stop looking at the current events so outwardly. There are worldviews at play here. There are ideas at play here. And if you follow the ideological strings, they're going to go ahead and lead you back to their demonic puppet masters. And I believe this is precisely what Paul's letter to the Colossians is so vital for us this morning to bring our thoughts back under the reign of the king, under the reign of Christ. And so I would invite you this morning to please turn with me to the book of Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 8. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 8. I'm going to go ahead and read, um, just to get the, establish the context, verse 1. But we're going to be narrowing our discussion the exposition of the word of God to verses 6 through 8. Let me go ahead and read it. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf and for those who are at Laodicea and for all those who have not personally seen my face, that their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love, and attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, that is, Christ himself, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this so that no one will delude you with persuasive argument. For even though I am absent in body, nevertheless, I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good discipline and the stability of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. Then he says this, see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ, rather than according to Christ. And so my prayer for us this morning is, we examine these verses that the Holy Spirit would help us to see two admonitions in order that we would walk in God's word and not in unbiblical ideas, not in, in unbiblical worldviews. Stay away from the pervading influencers of the day. Here's admonition number one. Stay in your spiritual walk in Christ. Stay in your spiritual walk in Christ or with Christ. Verses six and seven teaches us that. I mean, that's Paul's admonition to the Colossians. He says, therefore, as you have received Christ, Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. Walk in him. Stop there for a moment. 
In other words, he says this to the Colossians. He says, you've understood Christ for who he is. He's not John the Baptist. He's not Elijah the prophet or Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He's not some divine hero or one of the pantheon of gods. He is Christ, the son of God. He's the one who's going forth are from long ago, from the age of eternity, from the days of eternity. It's him you've received. That's what he's saying to the Colossians. Paralambano in the Greek, it's a reference to the handing down of tradition from one person to another, from one generation to another. And I think this is really important because over and over again, the Apostle Paul underscores the severity of receiving Christian doctrine to the exclusion of everything else that's pervading in the marketplace of ideas. For instance, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1, it says this, Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preach to you, which you also, same word, received, in which you stand. Galatians chapter 1, verse 9 says this, If any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you've what? received, what's been handed down to you, that person is to be accursed. Galatians Chapter 1, verse 12. For I would have you know, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither, what? Received it from man, nor was taught it, but I received it through revelation of Jesus Christ, passed down from Christ to the apostles, and on and on and on and on. The reason why we're here today is because it was passed down. The scripture was passed down to us. The repository of God's word has been passed down to us. It's been passed down to you individuals. Collectively, Hope Bible Church, it's been passed down to you. Philippians chapter 4, verse 9, the things you have learned and what? Received. Received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things. In other words, practice the word of God in your life. Don't practice the influencers of the culture. Don't practice them. What in the world do they know? 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 13, it says this. For this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God. And so Paul is reminding the Colossian church to think back on their experience of the tradition they've received insofar as their settled convictions about the person of Christ, about the word of God. Why is this so important? It's important because Paul is deeply concerned in his writing to the Colossian church. He is deeply concerned about, again, the pervasive ideological influences of the culture infecting the Colossian believers, and he expresses his concern in verse 4 of the passage, saying to them not to be deluded by what? persuasive argument. So many talking heads in our culture. So many persuasive arguments in our culture about why we should do this, about why the church ought to do that. Accusing the church of this, accusing the church of that. So persuasive. And he reminded them, saying, look, hold fast to Christ. Whatever these per, uh, pervasive arguments were by the cultural influencers of the day, of Paul's day, their philosophies Whatever they were, they were antithetical to Christ's teaching and the church. In his day, it was most, most likely Gnosticism, 
if you're familiar with that term, Gnosticism. Ah, Jesus, God, really? Ah, he, he appeared to be in the flesh, but he really wasn't in the flesh. That sort of things. Those kinds of ideological, that, that kind of thinking that's antithetical to the person of Christ. And so Paul exhorts them in verses 2 to 5, for their heart to be, quote-unquote, knit together in love because of the full assurance resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, that is, Christ himself, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. This is the heart. This is the heartbeat of the Apostle Paul. This is the heart of Hope Bible Church. This is the heart of Tom Leake and the elders here at Hope Bible Church, that Christ would dwell in you and that you would live in him and that you would walk in his precepts and not be deceived by what's going on in the culture because it is so confusing out there right now. It is so confusing. And so sons and daughters of lights, think back upon entering the doors of Hope Bible Church. Think about those days. I mean, why did you come here? Why did you come here? Just think about it, just for a few seconds. I'll give you a little time. Why did you come here? I've heard, I've heard or read many of your membership applications. I've read them, not all of them. And you wanna know what the, what, the, what, the, what the theme was? And a lot of the ones that I've read, you were looking for a church a Bible-believing church that would teach the gospel and nothing but the gospel. That's why you came. Verse by verse, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little. And like the Apostle Paul, I am so concerned with what some of you may be taking heed to. And by, by that, I mean I'm talking about the cultural influences of the day. I'm concerned that you're listening to some of them. And they're having an impact on your life. And your thoughts are changing. Your walk is changing. Your pilgrim's progress in this land is being diverted. And so I admonish you that if you have received the tradition of what we've taught you, of what the scripture says, stay in your spiritual walk with Christ. Stay in your spiritual walk. Because the end of verse 6 says this, Walk in him. Walk in him. It refers to your conduct. It refers to my conduct. The believer's daily conduct. In other words, those who have received Christ continue on in their daily life believing the truth about Christ and the sufficiency of his word. There's nothing sufficient out there because it's, it changes all the time. What does it mean to stay in your walk with Christ? Feast your eyes on verse 7 of the passage. Having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. What's interesting, I think, about this verse, verse 7, is that Paul gives four characteristics in this verse of what it means to stay in your walk with Christ. First, he says this, believers, the believer's life has been firmly rooted in Christ. My life, your life, it's a perfect tense verb. Let me go ahead and explain that to you. It means this, upon salvation, Christ became your spiritual source of life 
and nourishment for your soul. And the result of being rooted in the rich soil of salvation, you're abiding in him today. You are living out his precepts today. Abiding in Christ is echoed all throughout the scriptures. Says this, the one who says he, the apostle John says, abides in him. The one who says he abides in him, says the apostle John, ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. And so that's a byproduct. That's the byproduct of what it means to be rooted in Christ. And the consequent result of this brings us to our second characteristic, being built up in him, being built up in him. You're rooted in Christ and now you're being built up in Christ. Again, it's present, it's present tense. It's ongoing. It's ongoing. Here's what that means. You're like a construction project, still in process. You're not finished yet. You can see the mistakes in me. I can see some of the mistakes in you. It's not the perfection of your life. It's the direction of your life. Progressive sanctification. But a day is coming for all of us when the work of Christ in us will be complete. But in the meantime, your heart should long to express the heart of the hymn writer who said this. He says, oh, to be like you, blessed redeemer. This is my constant longing prayer. Gladly I'll forfeit all of earth's treasures. Jesus, your perfect likeness to wear. Oh, to be like you, oh, to be like you, blessed Redeemer, pure as you are. Come in your sweetness, come in your fullness, stamp your own image deep in my heart. Do you believe that? Here's a third characteristic. In verse 7 it says, Having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith. By the way, notice this is all about Christ, right? It's not about what's going on out there. It's not about being established in some other person. It's all centered in the person of Christ. It's all centered in his word. It's all centered there. Being established in your face, in your faith. That's passive. It's passive. It means this. God gets the credit. God gets the credit for your growth, for establishing you. We take no praise for this. We take no praise for being rooted, no praise for being built up, no praise for being strengthened. All the praise goes to him who sits on the throne. All praise goes to him. It's God, according to Jude 24, verse 24, who was able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with what? With great joy. With great joy. It's God who's called you to his eternal glory in Christ with himself, perfect. Confirm, strengthen, and established you. 1 Peter 5, verse 10. With all that Christ has accomplished for you, with all that Christ has accomplished for his elect ones, Paul marks out the fourth characteristic of what it means to stay in your walk with Christ. What's the byproduct of all of this? What is the byproduct of all of this? You're overflowing with gratitude overflowing with gratitude. And so staying in your walk with Christ results in an overflowing of gratitude for all that Christ has accomplished for his people and the church of the redeemed. Does that describe you today? Father of Christ? Or are you confused by what's going on in the culture? Is your mind so much on the culture that you are just forgetting? 
Are you thankful for what Christ has granted to you? Are your hearts overflowing with gratitude? Are your thoughts being drawn away by the cultural ideologues of the day in the secular marketplace? If it is, I, I have a question for you. How's that working out for you? Hmm? How's that working out for you? How's the peace that's, that's supposed to reside in your heart? Are you more angrier than you, used, than you usually are? Hmm? How's that working out for you? Because all I see outside the church are restless philosophies tossing people all over the place. How's that working out for you? I see some of your Facebook posts. Many in a news media narrative bask in the name of all kinds of ideologies. But if you look underneath, the tip of the iceberg lies the kind of ideological systems that are antithetical to scripture. I mean, all kinds of stuff that's going on today in the name of virtue signaling, social justice, Black Lives Matter, Antifa, cultural Marxism, critical race theory, and on and on and on and on. White nationalism, it just goes on and on and on. Just look at the Al Sharpens of the world and that will say it all. These kinds of ideologies and these ideologues resemble the Cretans, honestly, of Paul's day, whom Paul warned about. He warned us 2,000 years ago about this, about these kinds of ideologies. The example was the Cretans. He warned them. They were empty talkers, deceivers, liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. Titus chapter 1, verse 10 to 12. All they say is what? Gimme, 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 gimme. Gimme, gimme, gimme. Gimme reparations as they sit in their basement on a couch that their parents bought for them while they're eating a bag of Doritos. One of my professors told me, you want to know what those kinds of people are? He says, they're blood-sucking leeches. Gimme, gimme, gimme. Just don't want to work with your hands. I mean, you can just fill in the rest. They're filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness. They try to justify looting on the streets. Full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness, their gossip, slanders of the church, haters of God, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. They know the righteous decrees of God. They know the righteous decrees of God that those who practice such things deserve to die, according to Romans chapter 1. But then it says this they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. You're just as bad as the people who are looting in the streets. You're just as bad by giving that kind of approval. The church ought not be that way at all. How's it working out for you? These ideologues cannot stay along with the church of the redeemed. That is through him, says the writer of Hebrews. Let's continually offer up sacrifice of praises to God. That is the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. Are you giving thanks? Or are you giving approval to those who practice what's going on in the culture? Stay in your walk with Christ. That's the point. Don't be distracted by what's going on in the world. Don't depart to the left. Don't depart to the right. And all your ways acknowledge him. And he'll make your path straight. Even if you're confused, you don't, don't know what's going on. Just put your head in the book and it'll give you peace. It'll give you peace. Even if you don't have an answer, he'll give you peace. 
one of the promises God provides for his people are this, that if you, ba- if you bathe your thoughts in the purifying solution of God's word, you will discern righteousness. That's the promise. And justice and equity and every good course. That's a promise. Why do we pretend that we don't believe it? <laughs> Why do we pretend we don't believe it? We say we believe in the infallibility of God's word, but then give ideologues a clap? People who are antithetical to the word of God, we give them praise? I mean, so as we, as we transition to the final point of our outline, my friends, we understand the importance of staying in our walk with Christ. And so then listen, listen to me, church. Listen to me, Hope Bible Church. Listen, while you're on your way, while you're on your pilgrim's progress to the celestial city, here's admonition number two. Stay away from the spirit of the age. Stay away from it. Run away. Fugo in the Greek. Run like a fugitive. See to it. Verse 8, that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception. According to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. I love how J.B. Lightfoot says this. He summarizes this verse and he says this. He says, be on guard. Do not suffer yourself to fall prey to certain people who would lead you captive by a hollow and deceptive system, which they call philosophy. They substitute the traditions of men for the truth of God. They enforce an elementary discipline of mundane ordinances fit only for children. Theirs is not the gospel of Christ. End quote. If you ever had opportunity to visit my Facebook page, under my profile pic, it says this. It says, don't step in the Gajita. Don't step in the Gajita. It's a reminder for me. That means don't step in the spirit of the age. Don't step in the spirit of the age. That's what, that's what I think Lightfoot is saying here. But more importantly, that's what I think the Apostle Paul is saying in the beginning of verse 8. Blepite in the Greek. Blepite in the Greek. He wrote this as a present imperative. Be on constant watchfulness. Keep your head on the swivel. Be constant. Keep your head on the swivel. Because the impending danger is there. There's impending danger today. In Paul's day and our day. And if you enter into this path, if you take heed to the spirit of the age, if you walk in the path of shadows, know that your end is doom. In other words, how incessantly the spirit of Christ continually warns his people over and over again to stay away from the spirit of the age. We keep jumping in it all the time. Accusation upon accusation against the church. You're being insensitive to this. You're being insensitive to this. They have no idea. They have no idea. Don't take a knee to the spirit of the age. Don't take a knee to the spirit of the age. What impending danger is Paul so concerned about? Don't let anyone take you captive, verse 8. It's a rare word in the New Testament. Used only here, really. Literally means this. Don't let anybody rob you. 
Don't let anyone carry you off like a spoil of war. Don't let anybody kidnap you. And so the goal of our spiritual enemies is to seize our wills captive and carry us away like spoils of war. And these ideologues propagated their novelties through philosophy and empty deception. That's the point. Paul is not talking about all philosophy in general. In general, He's, He has something in mind. He has something specific. He's identifying the kind of supposed wisdom that is hollow, identified as empty deception. One commentary highlights this. He says that the danger about this kind of deception, this is serious, the danger about this kind of deception is, quote, it, it, it's that it takes the gullible captive and makes them slaves of error and yanks them back into the, into the dominion of darkness. What a frightening echo of truth. That's right out of the parable of the sower, if you think about it. Satan comes away and takes the word, which was what? Sown in their heart. He just takes it. He takes it. They get so excited about hearing the word of God, and then they listen to somebody else outside the culture, and then they get dragged away. It happens over and over and over again. He manipulates the evil world system. This is Satan. This, is, this is, is a person who, I mean, we were talking about a fallen angel, for goodness sakes. He manipulates the world system and the marketplace of empty rhetoric. Paul says in the latter part of verse 8, according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world. And then he, Paul, and then he connects this philosophy and empty deception to two elements. The tradition of men, it's not from God in other words, and the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. In other words, it bears no relation to Christ. It's, it's not related at all. They're foreigners of Scripture. Foreigners. They want to rob you of your mind. They want to seize you like spoils of war and drag you away out of the church. And then you turn around and then you start to accuse the church with the very same ideas that Paul has warned you about. And so when Paul refers to, to tradition, he has in mind a way of thinking that is passed down from one person to another, from generation to, to generation. When he refers to the elementary principles of the world, he's talking about a way of thinking that is false. It could also come... Um, or I should say, rather, it could refer to a system of ideas that have some element of truth to it. But if you, you know, just, just to give it some color, it's got some element of truth to it. It gives color to it. It gives, it gives some flavor to it. But it doesn't come from Christ. I mean, that's classic Satan right there. That's classic Satan. Let me just illustrate this point to you so that, it, so that this makes sense. I think this, would, this will help. In Luke... Chapter 4, verses 40 to 43, we read that during the healing ministry of Jesus Christ, demons were cast out of many people. I mean, he practically healed all of Palestine, but one of the things that he did was casting out of demons. They were declaring, this, this always scratched my head, and then it hit me why, he, um, um, why Jesus said what he said um, to them. They were declaring who Christ was, the Son of God. 
you're the son of God. You're the son of God. You're the son of God. Which is true, right? He, he, he is. He is the son of God. The demons were right. But he didn't want their testimony. I've always wondered about that for a long time. And then it hit me. Why wouldn't Jesus want the demon's testimony? I mean, it was true, right? Demons are characterized by deception. To have demons affirm what is true about the person of Christ would lead to confusion. That's why he silenced them. In Acts chapter 16, the same thing happened to the Apostle Paul. Acts chapter 16, verses 16 through 18, we read an account, Paul was casting out a demon from a girl in Macedonia. For many days she kept crying out, saying, These men are bond servants of the Most High God, who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. And what did Paul do? Oh yeah, she's right. Oh yeah, she's, she's right. You, you, you know, just go ahead and follow her. She's got a really good point there. He didn't do that. He cast the demon out. Why? Because to have demons affirm what is true about their ministry would have led to the confusion of the people in Macedonia. It would have led to such confusion. Paul didn't want that kind of testimony. So what's the application? My friend, stay away from the spirit of the age. Stay away from it. Watch out for empty-headed spiritual gurus and ideologues of our day whose speech is smoother than butter, but their hearts are war, whose words are softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. Psalm 55, verse 21. Keep your eye on those who cause dissensions and hindrances contrary to the teaching which you've learned and turn away from them. For such men are slaves, not of our Lord Jesus Christ, of our Lord Christ, but they, but of their own appetites, and by their smooth and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. Sons and daughters of light, stay away from the spirit of the age. Of course, they're going to have some ideologies that are going to have some element of truth to it, until you see the, the chasm underneath it of lies. You, therefore... Beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard so that you are not carried away by the error of unprincipled men and fall from your own steadfastness. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 17. Hope Bible Church, young and old, stay away from the spirit of the age. I tell you, Hope Bible Church, I want, I'm being completely candid with you. Completely candid. I mean, if, if you know me by now, you know I can be candid, right? <laughs> I'm going to be completely candid with you. I want no part of an ideological system that is rooted in critical race theory. Because it is inherently racist, by the way. It is inherently racist. Just do a little study. You'll figure it out real quick. But it's so pervasive. It's so persuasive. Just keep studying it. You'll see. I want no part of an ideological system of ideas that is rooted in Black Lives Matter. I want no part of it. I want no part of any ideological system that is rooted in Antifa or cultural Marxism. I want no part of any ideological system that is rooted in white nationalism. I want no part of it. I want no part of an ideological system that is rooted 
in social justice. I am for biblical justice. Don't get me wrong. I am for biblical ideas and a biblical worldview in accordance with Christ and the precepts of his word. But in other words, in the words of one writer, here is why I oppose what's going on much in the culture. I oppose, quote, I'm using the words of Tom Askell from the, by the book. It's called, By What Standard? I oppose the modern social justice movement, not because I deny the existence of injustices that we face, but because many of the proposals that come from that movement are based on dangerous ideologies. Think of the undercurrent, okay? The ideologies that lead away from Jesus Christ and his gospel. That's the reason why. I want no part of, I, don't, I want no part of LGBTQ. I know what they believe. I know what they believe. I want no part of that. And there are Christians, supposed Christians, who are joining groups like that. Confusing, right? Remember the examples I gave you? How confusing that can be? Stay in your walk with Christ. I want no part of the ideologies of our day with their ideologies. After all, Christ doesn't want that kind of testimony. Stay in your walk with Christ. Stay away from the spirit of the age. Otherwise, you're not going to have a heart that's overflowing with gratitude. It'll be written all over your face. Hope Bible Church, I... Uh, I love you. I know my family loves you. We've grown here. As a pastor, you know, I had to say some things that can, that can be quite difficult. It's, it just comes with the territory. But I love you. I love you because, and I'm saying this because I'm, I'm just concerned about the young people in this church who are following these ideological movements and then turning around and accusing Hope Bible Church. I'm concerned. Of course, we'll listen. Of course, we'll talk. But the heart of it is don't step in the spirit of the age. Pastor Tom, if you're listening, I, I don't know if you're here, but I love you. I'm thankful for the opportunity to preach. And Gabe, I'm thankful. I'm glad I can spend some years in some classes with seminary. I think we had some classes together. Um, Pastor Kirby, I'm just so thankful for you. <laughs> I can't imitate you, Kirby. I'm just I'm trying here, buddy. <laughs> I like Kirby's sense of humor. Um, I'm thankful to serve alongside you. Um, I'm truly thankful to have served with you. Stay in God's word, okay? Father in heaven, uh, thank you, Lord, for this day. Lord, again, it's bittersweet. It really is bittersweet. Lord, help us all to stay in the book. At the end of the day, that's really what matters, right? That's really what matters, that we stay in the book. Lord, I beg you, please keep us from stepping in the spirit of the age and keep us in lockstep and walking with you. In Jesus' name, amen.